Okay, folks, uh, here again on the fourth floor of the Capitol, which is the action floor, sitting here with Representative Greyer Hopkins. Hey, you even said my name right. Newly elected. Yeah. I got to say, the fourth floor, there's two things I like about the fourth floor. I've done several podcasts here. One is, it's the action floor. It's where all the, it's where all the energy is. And two, the view. And in your case, you have a really nice view. This is maybe one of the better views. I, I agree. I have a shot just right down the, the Juno channel. Uh, you know, when I moved down here, I took Representative Guttenberg's office. So I was upstairs on the fifth floor with the similar view, but an office that was about twice the size. That was because no, the lack of organization. Yeah. The previous, and you, you uh, have a little bit of a um, relationship with yeah. Representative Guttenberg. Huh? He, is, uh, my, he is my uncle. Yeah. I served down here for 16 years and got to watch him do a lot of good work and learn a lot from him. So, so you, you come from kind of a political family. Your dad uh, ran for, he was a mayor. He was borough mayor for six years, and uh, my uncle was on, held the seat for 16 years as well. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to have a civic-minded family to come from and to, you know, give a crap about your hometown and your community. And you know, I get now to represent the district that I've lived my whole life in. And then and, your, your sister is married to Scott Kendall, right? Yeah. Former chief of staff for Governor Governor Walker. Yep, he uh, fortunately found my sister 15 years ago. Who I um, like the guy a lot. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan too. Uh, we're happy to have him in our family. But you know, we he joined us a long time before his political career started. They met down at uh, law school together, so there was no uh, no no um, political future in the ideas then. But he got involved and he's done a good job for the state. Seems, seems like a pretty cool brother-in-law. Yeah, it's all right. You know we. <laughs> can kvetch and complain and compliment and talk on the same wavelength. So some of the conversations around our dinner table are about, you know, small capital projects and inane political ideas that just <laughs> through the halls. So it's kind of fun. The stuff all the other non-political family members love. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We definitely run into that, too. The kids they like, kind of just zone out. The kids are like, what are they, what are they talking yeah, can about? Can we talk about something else? The new Spider-Man movie or something good? So you just ran here last year and you won. And... Uh... You'd run before for office, or that was your first time no, running? That was we're, my we're first kinda, time running. I just realized, in the, we, I saw you this weekend, we're similar age. I'm 34. I'm 35. You're 35. Yeah. So right on. Yeah, no, the, I never run for anything before. I worked on a bunch of campaigns for uh, my, my dad's campaigns, a lot of other local ones. Um, I started out going door-to-door uh, all over Fairbanks for the Tony Knowles U.S. Senate campaign in 2004. So I'd go out to North Pole and Esther and Fox and all the places they didn't want to send volunteers to. So I got a really good flavor for the district, starting as my first political job and um, worked my way up uh, working on um, a couple other campaigns at the statewide level at the end. And But I retired from campaign managing, so I figured I'd volunteer on my own campaign and, and put my hat in the ring. So why'd you, des- why'd you decide to run for the, for the House? Uh, you know, I have... I was a legislative aide for six years under Senator Joe Thomas, the senator that represented this district for six years from 2006 to 2012. And I got a really good flavor for what we do uh, here in the Capitol. And I liked the tangibility of what we can do on a small scale of impacting issues. And I also like being able to go to work for Alaska in general and looking at some of the, the bigger widespread issues and things that you know I, I, I care about that I can't do from a borough assembly or from a school board level, and, but I can work on from uh, here in the Capitol. So what was it like uh, the first month of no organization? I mean, that was kind of, that hadn't happened in 36 years, yeah. 37 years, more, more longer than 81, right? So yeah. 
you know, for the first while I was trying to help with organizing and um, trying to, you know, stick my foot in the door and make sure people are you like you make, know, me trying spe- direction make me speaker it. yeah that, that sounds like I'll, a great idea i'll be speaker i certainly had that joke about seven times 17 times or so um but eventually i just you know i got to work and i started working on bills that i want to get introduced and ideas and doing more research into stuff as i realized it was just going to drag on and on um so you know it was it was all right we got a lot of work done in terms of hearings and and we weren't far behind because everybody was waiting on the governor's budget to come out on the 13th anyway so that was the that, that seemed to uh Solidify the majority yeah. there. Yeah, it did. You guys organized the, the day, day after the budget came out, I right? I think so. Day think or two was, after, yeah. So you, you worked for Joe Thomas. I, Tom, I got a I got a Joe Thomas story. Oh, yeah? So in 2012, I ran for the Senate. Mm-hmm. And back then I was, um, I'm a Republican, but I was, say, pretty right-wing there and had some kind of unpopular positions for uh, people on the other side, <laughs> right to work and stuff. Oh, and yeah. I was kind of a different guy back then. But anyways, I went to Fairbanks for, during... Um, uh, there was like a oil industry, what was it called? Uh, Great Bear. Ed Duncan, this guy was doing like a presentation. Oh, uh, Great Bear. Great Bear. Great yeah. Bear about the oil tax credits. And yep. he um, was like, it was HP. SB 121. I think it was HP 110 back then. Oh, it might have been. Yeah. yeah so the, so he was all about was the oil. He was all about the thing until he realized the credits were going to get repealed. And he was like, oh, you know. <laughs> so I was up there passing out some information, kind of, kind of, uh, it was counter. Uh, what was maybe the other side of their argument at the Carlson Center? Uh, what would you call that? Um, the opposite side of a... Opposition? Like, opposition, but yeah, the... Uh, oh my God, I'm missing the word. But anyway, so I was there handing out some information that kind of was, was opposed to what he was doing there. And Joe Thomas um, and Pasc- Pascavan, this guy Jeff, he used to work for... Jeff Step, yeah. He came out and they were like not happy with me being there. It got, <laughs> got kind of weird. Yeah. And um, Thomas wasn't too thrilled... But then after when he was leaving, he kind of said, hey, you know, I maybe overreacted. And like a week later, I got a, a card in the mail from him. Yeah. And it was inviting me to a fundraiser at uh, Governor Sheffield's house mm-hmm. in Anchorage yeah. for all these Democrats. And I was like, huh, like, that's weird. Like the joke. I, yeah, cause, cause I, I was uh, not a guy. He's got a long history of being kind of a badass and uh, of, you know, running a labor union, understanding how to be angry at people, but also continue to work with them the next day. Uh, and I was fortunate to watch that. And that guy was very popular and classy in the building. So I get well. this thing and contrary, I would say contrarian. There you I go. A, I was providing a contrarian perspective. Yeah. Um, and so I'm like, fuck, I'm going to this thing. <laughs> and I go, and I go there and it's, um, Johnny Ellis was there. Mm-hmm. He was, there was like five or six senators running, running for office and people knew who I was because I, I and I was like I said I was really You're kind running of, for Senate, but I was yeah I was really kind of on the opposite side of these guys and a lot of stuff back then, and and I was like asked what I was doing here like are you crashing what is this well, I got an invite I was like hey I have an invitation here look at it you know and they were like mm-hmm. uh. <laughs> and it was funny because damn it Fairbanks screwing everything up in Anchorage again I talked to a bunch of people and it was funny because a bunch of them Johnny Ellis in particular was like yeah you're a lot different than I thought you'd be like because I'm you know pretty easygoing yeah. But that's my Joe Thomas story. He was, was I'll never forget that. Yeah. He, uh, in, in legislative skits, they made fun of him for being the most interesting legislator in the world. What's he doing now? He's, uh, he's retired and he, you know, spends time with his family in Pittsburgh. He comes up to Fairbanks and works on his house. He, um, enjoys life and he takes an interest in some things specifically and other things he doesn't care about anymore. I guess that's the blessing of retirement. So what's it like? So you were in Juno before as a staffer. Yeah. So this isn't like you're, you're not new to Juno. No. And it's nice coming down here and like knowing where the bathrooms are understanding how a bill becomes law and what the committee process looks like. And so I had a decent jump start starting on this uh, from day one. So I'm still having trouble sometimes 
like Buckrovich or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, where is it? And then some of them you have to go across the, the sky Over bridge. The, the Tom Stewart. If you want a funny thing, go and check out the um, the uh, brass plaque on the front of the Tom Stewart Legislative Office building and count how many times it says Tom Stewart on the Tom Stewart Who's Legislative Office. He's the guy, he was a former Alaska Supreme Court justice, and uh, so the building's named after from here in Juneau. And then count how many times it says Pam Varney and John Harris on it, and look for the typo. It's a classic. So Pam Varney, the former uh, Legislative Affairs Director, yeah. and John Harris, former Speaker. There's a typo. There's a typo, and, um, and it's like a, it's references. A, it's a legit brass plaque? Yeah. Wow, so <laughs> somebody at some point realized, oh my gosh. I, I, I haven't checked since I've been back down here, but I don't think they've edited it. It seems like a very costly edit. Yeah. It's an apostrophe or something, but it's still funny. It's- there, there was um, one of my favorite, all the mailers. I did uh, wrap-ups yeah. of the mailers and, and after the primary and the general. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the best ones was from the union. Do you, do you remember this one? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be oh, a little Oh, yeah. The uh, female body yeah, part. So, yeah, the, so, yeah. So her name, was Car- her name was Carolyn Care Clift. Yeah, Clift, yeah. And let's just say they left out the F. Yeah. So... <laughs> Somebody, one of the union people that got it sent me that was like, oh my, because it was like a sample ballot, basically. Like, here's your yeah. vote for Begich. I think it was for Begich. And her, her name was Kara Clit. And I'm like, oh. and then the funniest part was Joelle Hall. From I the, remember that. She's yeah. like, we had, we, you know, we can't find it or yeah. something. And I Vince saw that on your Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's a mistake that, you know, not, not on a brass plaque, though. It's like, um, you know, misspelling public without the L and in public education. I actually did that. So, oh, yeah. for my podcast, we're on like Stitcher and iTunes and all the... Tune in, and we're on yeah. Radio Public, and mm. I, I did that. I, I yeah, did, and somebody pointed it out to me, and I had that's an easy one to do. Yeah, so that was I've done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what's kind of your goal? What's your goals? What are you trying to get done this session? Uh, you know, I came down wanting to work on trying to reduce student debt to college kids our age, parents, you know, who have that crippling debt. Um, I'm, I'm one of I, I borrowed. You know, they the fat they encourage. Young people who don't have a financial maybe understanding of, at all, of back, and then yeah. they say, "Here, how much money do you want? Here, take take thirty grand a year." That sounds great, you know. And you're young, and you don't think like about paying it back. It's not right. something you kind of register. We don't understand that. We're not taught that in high school. We don't know how it works. And so, yeah, a lot of us have this incredible level of debt. I, I fortunately don't because I gave up my Alaska residency for three years to become a Washington State resident um, and be able to save sixteen thousand dollars a year in tuition. But other than that. You know, a lot of us do have that very same problem. And uh, so I wanted to come down did and work on the, that. Did I you want, get the wooey or did you I just... did not. Uh, University of Washington wasn't wooey, but you could become a Washington State resident and go to school full time. Uh, and, and so that way I could become, get in-state tuition. We were the very last class that was able to do that. So that's kind of non-existent anymore. And um, I wanted to work on student debt and I wanted to work, come down and work on redistricting to try to, you know, uh, solve that. You should tell Corruption Speaker Edmund to throw me on the board. There you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm his guy. Yeah, <laughs> Dunleavy gets two appointments. Maybe he gets he'll two. look at. Yeah, he gets two. That, so I mean, that, that I mean, we're of, the third choice. He's the first two. He has the whole state to pick from. So you might be a, be juicy there. And and the um, Senator Giesel gets one too. Though, yep. And the Supreme Court uh, Chief Justice. Of the and, Supreme and this Court. is what I think a lot of folks, you know, maybe watching the House issue organization um, with the Speaker. I think a lot of folks, maybe in the public, don't realize. That that redistricting seat's very important. Yeah, um, and it was this past election that actually determined the makeup of that board because it's appointed in calendar year 2018. So it happened between January and September of 20, uh, 2020. Right. So I think the board gets appointed this year, right? Uh, it's this next year? year, it starts January 1st of 2020. Uh, is when the uh, those can start getting. Appointed. Could you imagine if Bryce picked me? 
That'd be God. Classic. That would be legendary. Yeah, it would. They, they probably just me being on there would be legendary. Would, would, would just would just almost in itself make them kind of not not get too crazy. Mm-hmm. Like could not go over bounds on some of the gerrymandering stuff. So you got to make sure because it has to be one member from each of the four judicial districts. So you got to make sure that Dunleavy and um, uh, Giesel, who appoint before Bryce does. Don't take up so those now, Anchorage Judicial District. Now, now they know. Yeah, I know. Oh, we shouldn't you, have said told them. You can edit this out. We, we can, folks, we're going to edit this whole <laughs> segment. I'm, um, anyways, I'm not confident I would get picked. No. So are those are those confirmed? Or no? Mm, I wonder. No. Mm-mm. Those are not confirmed. I don't, so. I don't believe they are. So so the, the justice gets one. Senate president gets one. Speaker gets one. Governor gets two. So, yep. I mean, even, even if the justice picks somebody who's maybe more moderate, under, under moderate. You're, you're, it's safe to say the governor and Senate president is probably going to pick folks that are Republican-leaning, right? Probably. So, so, that's so a decent guess, yeah. It looks like we're going to be another one. And, and last one got challenged. And Kathy Giesel, it's, I, I did a podcast with her a couple of days ago. It's ironic that she was a victim of this redistricting mess. She had to run every two years for six years yeah. for the Senate, yep. which the one big advantage of the Senate is you get a four-year term. Well, the district that I live in right now and represent now, theoretically, it would have been the same. Uh, in that 2012 redistricting map, went from Goldstream all the way out to the Bering Sea in Amonic. Went from Fairbanks to the Bering Sea. Well, wasn't there was something with uh, Esther? Didn't somebody loop Esther in one that of these? That was it. Dist- that was it. Like and Esther's Esther, a pretty progressive. Esther, Goldstream, uh, which are both very progressive, went all the way out to Amonic. I, I, I remember looking at the map and it was like whoop. You know, yep. like, they, yeah. They, they brought Esther in. Uh, the best one was still the Kawasaki Finger. Oh yeah, and then they and then they got his. They thought it was his sister. They thought his. He was. He thought. They thought his sister was his wife. Yeah, and they, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, so she had to run every, and we did a podcast a couple of days ago with her, and she was telling me, like, the first year, her district went, like, all the way to the Kenai. And then Hers? her, at one point, she represented, like, Kenai, and then it changed. Oh, Giesel. And, Giesel, yes, right, yes, yeah, yes. And, then, and, then it, and then it changed to, like, uh, it went the other way, yeah. and it went to, like, I think part of the, va- I'm thinking the valley, and now it's just Anchorage, but, you know, and before it changed, I was in. I ran in 2012. I was in. Yeah. I used to be in Kevin Meyer's Senate District. Oh yeah. And then I got moved into into Senator McGuire's Lisa McGuire's Senate District. Mm-hmm. Um, and my House District only ma- ma- retained about half. So yeah. So these maps can change drastically. Drastically. And yeah. Fairbanks oh, yeah. had some, some Every cha- challenges, single, right? Yeah. In 2012. Uh, that was we put forward the first challenge uh, that required it to be redrawn because that district that I live in was so blatantly unconstitutional. Um, but you know every single redistricting map in Alaska's history has been challenged based on something. And Tuckerman Babcock drew the 1990 map that lasted for those 10 years in that decade. The best part about him was he tried to, early on, he tried to, he, he'd run for office. He had run for the house twice. Yeah. And picture us a, a, a square. Everybody's in the square. He's on the one side, two guys he ran against on the other side. He drew a fucking line in between it and he put him into a different district. Yeah. And the judge was like, um, that seems you know, strange. And his <laughs> argument was, oh, I'm not planning on running for office again. They were like, no, it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't on the board. He was the executive director for it, but that executive director position has a lot of power. Last time the guy died, remember? Yeah. The guy yeah. died in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And then t- my friend Taylor Bickford uh, got, got, got yeah. he was a, I was, I was very disappointed when I met Taylor Bickford because I liked him. I wanted to hate him, but he's a good dude and I liked him. Well, he's great. I mean, yeah. he's, and his, yeah. dad, his dad's down here, he's a lobbyist, yep. but he was um, yeah. super Taylor involved. Bickford's a good guy. I, Certainly disagree with the way he did it, but I have had some discussions with him about it, and I like the guy now. I genuinely enjoy working yeah, with I, him I think on he's, other stuff. He's, I think he's kind of more into like his, he's working for Strategies 360, so I think he's yeah. kind of more focused mm-hmm. on just 
that that element of it. And it, he's, that's a good program strategy. Three sixty actually was applying for that when he was applying for it too. Really? Yeah. And well, I'm here it's, and it's, uh, happy I could. Small, I didn't get it. Small, it's only in Alaska. Like yeah. these things happen. My real life lets me be in Fairbanks now when I get to you know get married to my fiance and. Yeah, have so my house I, 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 and the funny thing is, I forgot to mention when I was flying to Juno for the first time for the swearing in, I was sitting next to this really nice woman, and she was <laughs> reading a fantasy sci-fi book. Yeah, and we were, and I was talk, chatting with her, and she was just super nice and very, very um, easy to get along with and talk to. And then I asked her what she was doing, and she goes, "I'm going to see my son getting sworn in the legislature." And I said, "Who's your son?" <laughs> Grier Hopkins, and uh-huh. it's your mom. And then your dad was sitting was on the other right side there. of the aisle. Yeah, and I said, "That's Luke Hopkins." <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I I read things, and. Yeah, they were that's very good. nice, very pleasant people. Yeah. Um, Some of the other stuff I learned was not to be a jerk, and it gets you a long way. That, that's good. That's yeah. huge. So we were talking about, re- I didn't plan on talking about redistricting, but have you, have, are you familiar with, um, there, there's computers and algorithms that can yeah. draw districts. And yeah. t- it's it's beyond me. I mean, I know why people don't want to, they want to they gerrymander them. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to design them around certain things. But but there's computers that can do this in Nonpartisan, a unbiased, yeah. draw, I mean, they put the information into the computer and, and know, it draws districts. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do. I was working on, you know, some uh, legislation for it, some way we can start moving this discussion forward. What does a nonpartisan redistricting board look like? Um, you know, in, in the way we were viewing it, it actually has more partisanship involved and then a, a large block that's nonpartisan. And they're drawn by lottery is one of the ideas we had as well. Um, people can put in their name. Uh, that they want to be a part of this process, and then you can draw those out by lottery. You have, you know, three from this party, three from that party, and seven from n- uh, no party or all the other, you know. I think uh, we should just get people in like majority Flor- membership. We should get five people in like Florida. Yeah, and just, just have get, them do it. Just get somebody from like who has no connection to Alaska <laughs> whatsoever, just zero connection. Uh-huh. Just people in the middle of nowhere, and you put them on the board and say, hey, you know, here's draw some map. Which one makes the most sense? Just look at it. Like, why don't we just like even spilled milk districts in the in South Carolina and Florida? And let's, stuff? let's let's even get out of country. Let's get, yeah. let's get some like, Aussies, some Russians. Maybe not Russians. <laughs> yeah, be, I don't know. They might have a problem with that, that could these be, days. That could be weird. Maybe keep them away from Facebook and you know, yeah, just, they'll be all right. Just don't don't go on the internet, folks. Yeah. Put so, them in a room so they have no internet access. And, you know, you could take a note from Dunleavy and take away the phones and the uh, iWatches and stuff so that they can't communicate yeah, can you, can you, So uh, did you do that? I did. So so I've heard, I've heard it's, the pho- it's the phones and the Apple Watches. When I had my first meeting with him, uh, the only meeting I've had, it was the 15-minute meeting when he was meeting with everybody, all 60 legislators. And I go there, and you know, I'd never actually met with the governor in the governor's office before, so I didn't know what the protocol was. And he's like, please leave your phone. Or an aide was, please leave your phone here in the basket. I was like, oh, sure, whatever. Do you want me to take off my watch, too? No, no, that one's okay. So I go into the meeting with him. Of course, I'm not recording. I don't care or well, well, need to. What, what, what I have told people is, if you want to fucking record somebody, you're gonna. I mean, you can buy a little yeah pin, speaking to the lapel or something. Record. Yeah. So I mean, it just it's like a Richard Nixon level of paranoia. Oh, yeah. When you meet with the president, he doesn't require that. When you meet with any other governor, they don't require that. Well, it's see, just him. I, 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 at first, I wasn't sure, so I asked around and I asked people in Walker's administration. I asked people back to Murkowski, and, and no, they said we're not. I mean. I would not give my phone to somebody because I don't. I have a lot of stuff on my phone. That yeah, I don't like, want notes, people. Don't flip. Don't flip through the phone. I got no. I mean, I don't know right. if they have some kind of Russian guy in the back there who's going to hack my phone. You speak it, Russian. You could understand what they're saying. I, well, but if it's in the other room, I wouldn't. Oh, that's true. I wouldn't know. Yeah. So how'd the meeting go? What when was that? That was a while back, or uh, yeah, mid December. Um, good or fifteen minutes? No, not really. It wasn't great. Um, I asked, you know, he said, "What are your priorities?" And I said, uh, "What did I say? Behavioral health issues and." Uh, the gas line. And his answer on the gas line, which is really important for Fairbanks and something we want to see moving forward, was, oh, I'd, my, my team will come out with a report in the next couple months. 
um, hopefully by before session. Obviously, that hasn't happened yet. And, you know, he said, what's your position on the PFD? And I said that it generally disagrees with his um, and more elaborate terms. But then uh, I asked him, what is he going to be doing about behavioral health in Fairbanks? And he starts talking about people under bridges and things like that, homeless camps. And like, those are important. But there's also, you know, a lot of families and a lot of you know students in high school that have behavioral health issues and are committing suicide around the state. Um, and mentioned that the uh, average age of a homeless person in Alaska is about seven to nine years old. And then I really, yeah. And then he says, well, that's what's the your, average? Well, that's the yeah. average. Well, think about it. A 25 year old mom who's homeless with three kids yeah, I guess on the couch. Yeah. You drop that average real quick. And, and I think folks don't understand. Homeless doesn't mean, you're, you know, you're on the street. Yeah. You can be just have not have a house and you're staying yep. from place to place. And you go and, to a, a high school kids that go to shelters. Uh, you know, yeah. Couch surfing is, is a big part of it. Horrible for young kids. Horrible yeah. for young people. Just, yeah. The uncertainty and the instability. Yep, it's really you can really see the impacts of it in you know student test scores and um, success rates in schools. And then he asked me, "What is what is your opinion on public safety?" So I said, "I think we need more of it." <laughs> I'm for, I'm for it. <laughs> that was my entire answer. Yeah, done. Well, that's part part of the thing he ran on was that public yeah. safety. Yeah, increasing prosecutors and police and troopers and. APSOs. And then he's after he wins, he says we should you know build more jails and more beds and spend you know hundreds of millions of dollars on that because that's how you solve the crime problem. I don't agree with that and don't believe that of this. Well, and then we have the um, the old private prison former yeah pri- Donna Arduin who has ties board to member pr- on the private prison group and yeah not great. I mean that happened in Florida. So there was yeah big controversy. The Speaker of the House got brought down. Mm-hmm. There was FBI investigation um, that she was involved. She was named in yeah. Over the $100 million and sole source. here she con- is pushing private prisons and private... Uh, um, I called that back in facilities. December. Yeah. Or no, after she was hired. Oh, yeah? I started looking her up and people were looking... A simple Google search not, is not probably hard in to the find. top, like, five things, yeah. I talked to people, I talked to, talk to people in Florida. One guy, this guy from the Benevolent, Police Benevolent Fund or something, he was like, you guys can have her. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, thanks. So we don't. She's not going to be here very long. She's already gone. She's a top-paid person. Yes, yeah, she is. 195. Yep. Woo! Yeah. Um, so should we temp if she she probably has to work twelve years or twelve months for that? I see if she lasts twelve months. So I was in Fairbanks for we did some videos. Yeah. We should we should have done. Well, we talked talk, talked about doing your race. You did. We we chose we, we did Kawasaki Kelly, yeah. and then we, for the house we did Wool oh, McKinley yeah. just because he owns a bar yeah. Wool, and then McKinley owns a tattoo parlor. And it was, we should have, actually, we should have done the LeBond Dodge. <laughs> that would have been the one. That would have been, in hindsight, that definitely would have been literally the, the one. But I, when, yeah. when I was asking people, and, and uh, I was talking to Pete Kelly, we were interviewing him by the big statue there, by the, by the river. Oh, yeah, the first family. Right. Down in, and uh, there were some, you know, people that were kind of homeless. And I asked him, I said, how, how, are, how, how are people homeless in Fairbanks? And he was telling me about some people he knew that were just, just tough as nails, who were homeless in the winter. And he was saying, you have no idea how tough these are because they he's been involved don't in... sleep outside. They find places, there's shelters, there's things like that. But even um, even being out in the, you know, 30, I mean, just... Yeah, but, in, oh, yeah, yeah. He it's was telling me there was a guy he knew that um, would, 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 would sleep in these incredibly cold. And he was, think about it, go back and people used to live here, you know? Yeah. Thousands of years ago. And, and they managed to do it. They managed, to, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, you look at the elaborateness of the homes they built and things like that, and it's pretty cool how well and how uh, those are built, especially on the North Slope. Back to my mom, she's written a couple Alaska prehistory books about um, Alaska on the North Slope about 2,000 years ago. It's fictional, but it's sort of alternate history. And she did reams of research into, you know, every single thing, how they uh, how they built their homes, how they made their parkas, how they, you know, harvested their seals and used the sinew to sow the parkas and every little part of it. And it's pretty cool to read just like, based on like, just 
the, the I mean, factualness of it and how, how they learn to use everything think about and survive. 10,000 years ago, living yeah. when it's that cold. Well, I mean, this I, seems I just, like a good place to live. I mean, just think about it. I mean, just, I, I can't even fathom. I mean, I get, we, we go to our houses, they're heated, you know, we live really comfortable yeah. lives in modern day. And I just, I just always think about how could you live? I mean, you're basically constantly trying to survive. Yeah. Keep warm, eat. Yeah. You get a few months a year where it's kind of nice. Paradise. And like, then you yeah. get, it's, it's basically dark and cold. I mean, it's just crazy to think yeah, people. It's still beautiful and fun. And, you know, there was lots of food back then and a river in the summer and that you can fish in the river in the winter. And they figured out ethnobotanism, how you can learn all of the usages for plants and animal, animals. If you had to go back, you. would you rather be on the North Slope or in Sub-Saharan Africa? 10,000 years ago. Uh, I'd rather be on the North Slope. There's no giant spiders that are trying to kill you. It's just uh, polar bears that sneak up behind you, but I'd rather be on the North Slope. Because because you can always get, I guess you can always get warmer. Yeah. But you can't, I mean, if it's 110 degrees, yep. it's hard to get. This is a great podcast. I mean, <laughs> real, real, we got all sorts real of, good all, ta- real yeah. fun talking to you. Covering all sorts of stuff. So what, Um, I mean, a lot of folks are surmising that this is not going to go 90 days. You think it would be done before that? No, no, I think... Senator Giesel said she thinks it'll probably go to 120 or if no, we, definitely more than 90. If we do it without shutting down the government on Ju- July 1st, I'm going to qualify this as a success. So you think it, you, other folks have said it might go well into the summer? Two years ago, uh, we were, you know, the, the government was looking at what the steps were going to be for shutting down the government. What's, you know, what was essential? It seems like that's almost the, federal, the, new, the new normal, you know, like pink slips and teacher, all these yeah, positions. and cool to do now. Yeah. It's what, it's what we do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've only done one year at 90 days. Um, is since it passed in 2007. Why don't and they just, why don't they just, I mean, the legislature at this point, they can just say, you know, screw it, we're going to go back to 120. I mean, it's already 121 they can already do anyways. Yeah, by constitution, yeah. So why don't, they just, appropriations. why don't they just do that and get rid of this 90-day because it never happens. I, it doesn't. And I, I would agree, you know, that it really does cut out the public process. When I, I did one, I worked as a legislative aide in one 120-day session. And... You know, the, that first 30 days was pretty slow and not much was happening. But then once the committees started meeting, uh, there was a lot less public comment. There was a lot less public transparency to it. So I think getting rid of the um, uh, getting rid of that 90 day session. Would I mean, be at this good point, it's, it's almost just like a re- it's like a relic. It's like a leftover from something that because it was a citizen initiative. Yeah. That, you know, OK. I mean, it was, you know. it was 2006. So it wasn't that long ago. And it was, you know, it was a guy who uh, from Fairbanks who pushed it the most, Jay Ramrus. And he uh, oh, wanted God, to get Jay, back. Oh, to, the, uh-huh. the, the wings guy. Yep. Um, the cookie. There's a or cookies Pike's Landing, ice cream. Pike's Landing with the ducks and the cookies. Yeah. yeah we got a cookie for you. Yep. That's him. And uh, he was doing he did that. He was the one that pushed it the most. It was a couple others, but mostly him. And uh, you know, I, you, know I don't blame him for wanting to get back to Fairbanks in the in the spring. It's gorgeous. It's wonderful. And like you said, we don't have that much time to enjoy the summers up there. Yeah, and I was you, there you do see it that the first thirty days down here are pretty slow, but that's our own fault, and we can ramp it up no problem because we just did thirty days of of nothing here in the house. Yeah, it got pretty weird with it. Did you attend any of those fake meetings? Yeah, a few of them. Those fake house. I mean, those fake committee meetings. Yeah, it was it was amazing because they're you know I'm friends with a lot of Republicans, but. Yeah. I mean, they, they were holding these fake meetings. They made them look like to the public they were real. They were having these fake floor sessions. I mean, it was just like this like alternate, like one of the pictures <laughs> that Representative Eastman posted was like him and a bunch of reps, and they weren't even sitting in their fucking chairs. On the floor? They, they posted a picture. Was of this one when of their, they were on the floor? Yeah, one of their fake floor in? sessions. Yeah. And they all sat like in, you know close enough to get a picture, and half of them weren't even sitting in their damn chairs. They're in wrong ones. And like we're waiting for the other. Democrats to show up to come to work. Well, you're going to have to move. It's like, get <laughs> out of my chair. <laughs> yeah. What are you... So bizarre. Yeah. Um, so, you're in. What committees are you on? You're on some. I got to chair the special committee on energy, 
Uh, and then I sit on resources where we just had our meeting, and I sit on education. So are you are you going to keep that special committee high energy? Absolutely, it's the special energy and on energy. I can't do anything but keep it high energy. I got to say to the folks listening who aren't watching, you are really well dressed right now. The suit, <laughs> where'd you get that suit? The men's warehouse. But uh, when I bought it, I ran into uh, Dunleavy and Kevin Meyer there, so I knew I was in the right company. Almost looks like a made to measure. Well, sometimes they they have giant these sales socks on them. With Looks like you gotta have fun. Some socks. animals are doing something. It's a guy, right? It's a little dude riding a, a dragon, and says, "I got this on the, on on the uh, on the feet of the." One socks, could think so. something else was happening there. They could, you know, because, they could. probably because it's scrunched a little bit. But I'm trying to, you know, I have you pull the socks tighter, maybe. A there you bit. go. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Okay, now it's much more clear. Okay, yeah. Okay, good. Folks, yeah, it was scrunched <laughs> enough to where. It looks like more inappropriate. Nefarious was happening. Yeah. No, you know, try to have good socks and keep yourself light, and can't take yourself too seriously down here, or you're just gonna be a jerk. So you you earlier said you're engaged. Yeah. So, like, it's, wedding's not in May, is it? No, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> December 31st is the plan right now. Oh. Uh, and we should keep to that one in Fairbanks. Wait a minute. A so that's going to be a big New Year's party. Yeah. It's gonna, you're going you're gonna to basically double down for New Year's. Absolutely. Two birds with We're one We're going to be the best, you know, the best party for that year, and then we won't forget our anniversary in the future, and we can go out and now, always celebrate if we want. Just to throw it out there, I have emceed some big weddings. Oh, yeah? Uh, one of my friends got married in 2016 down at Homer at this big... House they rented major. It's, oh, you heard about it? Crazy gorgeous the Disney house or whatever. The, yeah, I yeah. think I have. I just so, saw that like a, a month ago. It's like very expensive. It was like a hundred people. I emceed the wedding with mm-hmm. the, somebody else. So I'm I'm a guy that you would love to have. All right. call the sh- you know MC yeah. the wedding. So I'm available. Um, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. That would I'll, get, let, I'll let her know. She's. It would. I think yeah. I met her. She was here uh, for the swearing in. Yeah. Or? Yeah, she was. Talked to her briefly. She was the the really pretty woman who allowed me to stand next to her. Nice gal. Yeah. Yeah. Where, so, how'd you uh, meet her? Uh, Tinder. Really? Yeah. I mean, we're Are from. The, she's from Fairbanks, born and raised. I was going to. I was going to say. Ten, town. I was going to say. Did you yeah. meet her on Tinder? Yeah. Wait, wait, hold on. You legit <laughs> met her on Tinder? Yeah. Folks, this is the best podcast <laughs> with a representative I've ever done. We're both millennials. You're a millennial. You understand how it works on Tinder. It's you know, it's not just a hookup app. It's for what you want to make out I, of it. I met a woman in Australia on Tinder. Yeah. Um, when I was there, and we we've attended a, a number of Tinder weddings. In the last uh, so year Tinder so, started off as kind of more of a, of a hookup situation, mm-hmm. but it's, it's morphed into. See, yeah. I got I got off there for two reasons. One is, um, I'm not going to go into it because it's a very long story. It's <laughs> not great. Um, but two is, um, I kept seeing people I knew, including some married women on there. Oh yeah, because uh. Anchorage is like, you know, it's, it's it's better when you're like traveling or when you're somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But, oh yeah, I'm but I'd see these. That. I saw this one in particular, and I'm like friends with her, and I'm thinking either they have something happening that I'm not, you know. Want to be get, in, get into or something else is going on? Yeah, but it, it was um, you meet so many people on there. Oh yeah, you can just have fun for you know, just go hang out and grab dinner, or you can find somebody to marry. There's another one, Bumble. Have you heard of this? Yeah, it's where the woman this has the, to speak first or say hi. Like you yeah, both swipe, she has but then to she has to initiate the conversation. Yeah, I have not been on that, but um, I, I actually would almost prefer that because I, I, I match, I get the match, and hard I, work coming up. And, that and then first you have line. to like. Look, you're like, fuck, what am I going to say? And then yeah. I, I want to be funny and witty. Yeah. And then sometimes it... I, I'll tell you one quick Tinder story. I met a, I met a woman on there and I'll just... Oh, no, fa- this I'll is devolving into Tinder stories. I'll just fast forward to, let's just say the first night we hung out, um, we had a great time, and I said we have four options after the date was coming to an end. I said, we, yeah. can go back, you know, we can go to another bar, or we can go back to my place, go back to your place, or we can s- separate ways. And she's like, well, I don't want to go anywhere else. I don't want to go to my place. I don't want to separate ways. Pretty clear. And... um. Yeah, the, like not long after that, the next day she uh, messaged me that you know her parents were in town and she wanted to go to brunch. The day after I met her. Yeah. And I said, "Huh?" And she goes, "Come on, honey." I'm gonna, and I said, Wait. "I thought she was joking." I, really, I was like, "Ha ha." She's like, "What's so funny?" 
And I mean, total stage five clinger. Yeah. Situation. This was years ago. Oh, I, I was I was trying to walk that fine line with Christina between being, you know, annoying enough that she's not going to forget about me and cool enough that I wasn't going to be a stage five clinger. So this is Fairbanks and, Tinder. Yeah. You guys met. She was born and raised in Fairbanks. I remember she went. We went to the same elementary school. We missed each other in high school by one year. Did you know uh, her? I remembered refing her in soccer when she was about four years younger than me. I remember seeing her around town after that and being like, oh, there's that really pretty woman. I need to go talk to her, but I never had the nerve to go talk to her until we swiped and matched. So, and so I you matchy, you matchy matched. And yep. then who initiated you? Oh, yeah. Hi, this I is... wasn't going to let that opportunity slip me by after, you know, 35 years, 34 years of, of letting of screwing it up before. What did you say? Hi, this is I'm Grier. I don't remember what I said. So when was this? Like last like uh, it would have been January of 17. You have to like reference this at your wedding. Yeah, this must, this must be like a. I, I it's not a re- story I'm ashamed of as I'm putting it on a podcast. I love it. I so. mean, this is like this is gonna get. Yeah. This is like the I think first millennial podcast. <laughs> Are you a millennial? Yeah, you're. Me, we're we're, we're right definitely the, millennials. We're right at the edge of it. I use it because I like to. I claim it because I like to defend millennials too. Um, with college debt, with uh, being called the Benjamin Franklin generation because we're wiser with our money than other um, generations before us when it comes to retirement, if we have a retirement. I was going to um, say, if they... You know, when we when people ask us, what do we want out of our work environment? And we say, you know, I want flexibility, but I also want a job that is meaningful and makes me want to show up to work every day. And then older generations laugh at us like, ah, you kids, you want to make a difference in the world, we'll break your spirit. But then you go and you talk to or do a survey of people in the workforce, no matter what age it is, and they say the exact same things and so i love just pointing these things out to you know older people and letting them know that no we are going to save the world of all the things that you screwed us over and messed up on whether it's climate change whether it's the you know the economy whether it's the housing market whatever it is we're going to be the ones that are having to deal with it pensions are gone you know for the most part um you know i'm single i'm 34 and yeah i've talked to friends of mine uh who have kids and you know i'll go see a movie right and i'll think all right Movies fifteen bucks. Yeah, and I think okay. If, if I you're a, going if, to like a basic matinee, not IMAX, if, if it's I twenty a, plus bucks, if, if you go I, to an IMAX in the evening. If I had a wife and kids, let's say I had a wife and two kids, right? And I want to go to the movies and I want to have dinner before. You're talking about like two hundred, several hundred dollars, yeah. right? And and you think about like what the average person makes. And I mean, I have friends who, you know, are married that are that are well off that make you know combined, you know, multiple, you know, six figure plus in, like six figure income, hundred thousand plus dollars, mm-hmm. maybe up to two hundred thousand dollars, and. You know, it sounds like a lot of money, but when you think, start thinking about like kids and the cost of living, and you know, people, who, I, I just don't understand how a couple, of two, two with two kids are making sixty, eighty grand There's, combined. That, that is what is it? The new thing? It's um like the dual income fallacy. That is exactly that. You can't you know have your two point four kids and a dogs, two cars and a nice house, and have upward mobility anymore with that uh, and a middle class lifestyle with unless, two unless one person's making two hundred grand, right? You know, and it's just it's just um. The student loan, you're right. I mean, the, the amount of debt people... I mean, the student loan debt, it, I think it surpassed credit card debt. It's like a yeah, trillion it dollars. Um, and mortgage debt is the only thing that co- that there's more debt out there than student the other, debt. The other thing is a lot and of it's the like debt... It's like $1.016 trillion, yeah. A, a percentage of the debt is uh, people who didn't even graduate. Yeah. Who borrowed money for... They went to school for one or two or three years. And I don't know where you, where you are on this, but I think when we give student loans out, we should target certain degrees. You know, if you're going to get an engineering degree, a STEM degree... You know, I mean, I mean, if you're getting this degree where you're not going to get a job and you're not going to be able to pay it back, we probably yeah, shouldn't. I mean, be I'm an anthropology huge... major, and you I'm know, a history and economics there you major. Go. My and... my coworker that I have the same job with is a history and um, uh, a history major, and then Christina, my fiance, is a English and a philosophy major, and she's an attorney. So you know, it's I don't necessarily agree that we need to just give those loans out to 
just you know what we would qualify as your good typical jobs. Maybe, maybe those can think be more it, subsidized. Or yeah, more, it's lower your interest. forgiveness. You target what uh, jobs and and uh, is needed. Like in Alaska, you know, healthcare jobs, oh. the Whammy program, the um, Sharp program that forgives loans for um, uh, clinic workers, things like that. You you target the forgiveness and a lower interest well, rate they, on people who need those or uh, entering into fields that we need more of. Didn't we used to have a much more generous? Forgiveness program? We did, yeah. For, for I mean, 10, ten years and uh, or yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, along those lines. For, you know, public service yep. or, and I mean, I, I guess, you know, obviously can't afford that like we used to, but. Well, and that and the governor just, you know, he's proposing to um, eliminate the post, uh, Alaska Commission on Post-Secondary Education, which runs the Student Loan Corporation. So he yeah, was no, eliminating I have, giving out, well, I mean, he's eliminating giving out any more state finance loans, which are way less than. Um, you know, your private loans that you get through Discover or something, it's an 8% at most for the state loan versus 25% for those um, yeah, I pay, I pay uh, every, Discovery loans. I'm 34. I've been paying on mine. I'm, I'm getting pretty close. You know, I, I borrowed a lot more money than I should have. And again, it was because I wasn't really raised with the f- proper financial awareness. And you're 18, yeah. 19, 20 years old. And the, the, they give you, they throw you all this money. And, and all of a sudden you grad, you're like, like oh, I got to do something with this now. Yeah. So well, anyway, it's been a great time doing this. Um, I got, we should I got do another one. You, you are you are a, a good podcaster. Yeah, come on back. We we, we could talk about I, talk about Tinder, student loans, redistricting, Fairbanks. What else? Do we have plenty of stuff. We, there's plenty more to talk about. I can ramble on this stuff for a long time. I I, I enjoy pitching on the radio for KOAC. So you put a I mic can, in front I, of my face, and I'll I'll enjoy myself. I can tell you've done so. I've I've did a lot of radio in Anchorage. I used to fill yeah. in for Dave Steering. Oh yeah, you know, uh-huh. and other folks. So I've gotten you know gotten pretty good at this, I guess, and. I enjoy it, but I can tell sometimes <laughs> somebody's done it before, like you, or sometimes people are, yes, they, I, I know. You know, they give these one-word answers, and you're, you're trying, trying to pull like, it out of them more. Yeah. yeah, engage. Yep. Keep that Keep that high energy. No, I agree. So what do you uh, What do you got going tonight? Are you big night, or it's Monday? Uh, we have, let's see, caucus was canceled, but we've got an AOGA um, meeting at 5.30 so that the industry can come talk to us about their opinions on the oil tax bills and oil tax credits. Let me guess, let me guess. Lower taxes. I think just don't <laughs> don't, cha- mess, don't change don't change them. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're worried about the per bill tax credit. Um, that's one point two billion dollars worth of um, yeah. tax credits to them. And they, that when they met with me early on in the session, I hadn't even heard about that as an issue until they brought it up. So my, my, my thing with you know I I understand there's reasons to you know maybe change some things, but my frustration is all. And I used to work in the oil industry for you know for over a year recently. But it's it's the it's the fact that we change the system every five or six or seven years, and that just creates so much kind of instability and uncertainty. With, you know, is it going to change again? Is it yeah. gonna, what are we going to do? And obviously, they want it to go down. I think. Right. But, I mean, they came last year and two years ago. They they came to the legislature asking for lower oil taxes as well in different ways. Um, so, if they can get it, you know, beneficial to them, they'd be interested in a change. But, but I've, an I've overall had, rewrite. The problem is that we end up writing these oil tax regimes. In a world that then we don't live in. So with, you know, um, ACES, right? When I was down here when we were working on ACES, the clear and equitable share that Palin pushed, um, you know, we wrote it with a very high state take when oil prices are high. But it was like 70 to $80 barrel back then. And then it goes up to 120 140 and no, no one saw that coming. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And we're raking it in. And we're probably taking too much at that point. Um, but a small tweak would have been, you know, more appropriate. Well, but instead was, they but- drop it down and then oil tax crop prices crash and we don't have that hard floor and we're paying the oil companies to even drill in Alaska. Well, and so we, we don't write them for a world that might not happen. And every, that ends up being a problem. I think everybody, basically almost everybody agreed on the progressivity part and yeah. they said, okay, let's deal with that. Yeah. But, but the problem was they went to the point where, you know, we take a lot of the risk 
and you know on low oil prices we 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 get kind of not you know we we get screwed on the low oil prices and then the high oil prices okay so if we're going to take the risk on the low we should have some some of the upside yeah, on the high yeah. and now on the high if it goes high again we don't get as much um you know as we would have if if it was yeah different system I and mean, you have to try to write it for you know broad of a oil tax or price of barrel of oil as you can because the one thing you know about oil oil prices and oil taxes is your guess for what the price of a barrel is going to be is going to be wrong you just know that your guess wrong is always going to be wrong like like i said i mean it's changed there was an elf and there was a ppt and there was the there's aces now there's sp 21 but i've talked to several people in the oil industry who say you know they they just love these are people that are that are like conservatives it's like they'd rather do business in a place like norway because look, they pay more, oh, yeah. but they they know what they're going to get. They yeah. don't worry about the change. They it's a stable environment, and they they feel like they're with a partner. The thing and, that I like the most about Norway's system is they take out the the state takes out the risk on the front end. They go do the exploration. They go find the yeah, oil. Stat, stat oil. Yeah, they go find the oil, and then they say, okay, now you private producers come in and develop it. So I'm always asking commissioners down here, what can we do on a state level to take out some of that risk and help you find more fields? You know, do you use the um, Department of Geological and Geophysical Surveys so that they can go out and do, you know, more of that mapping, more of that um, seismic testing to go find that oil and then you can develop it so that we will be more productive well, we and bring those, our, li- our, our stuff online. Stupid fucking oil credits that were going to these companies that were never going to, I mean, they were exploring, they were never going to, even if they found anything, they weren't going to develop it. They were going to yeah, sell it. Sell it off. You know, and, and we, we spent billions and billions on just empty holes you know yeah and it's just that went away finally but i mean there was just so much money that was just blowing i mean oh, if you're gonna do a credit do it do a production credit yeah you know find the oil we'll give you a deal if credits are working i think they're a great idea if we're throwing money you know at companies that aren't going to be helping us or doing stuff i have a problem with well, that. i think there was a bit of a kind of a punitive or um, a mentality of well these big three are here we want to get the smaller ones up here the only way to do that is to massively front load them with like credits to make get it feasible for them. And I mean, Repsol actually turned out to be a really one of the good ones. Yeah. They found a lot of oil. Repsol did. Yeah. ENI did. Yeah. And ENI um, is another one. But but those are also, those are big. They're those, big. Those they're aren't just tiny. Not ones we're familiar with. Yeah. Those aren't tiny. I mean, Repsol Spanish, you know, and ENI is Italian and mm-hmm. Repsol is all over the world. And yeah. so is ENI. Yeah. They're huge. So, well, this has been a great, man. This has just been, <laughs> I'll be honest, one of my other favorite podcasts was a Fairbanks guy, Adam Wool. Oh, yeah. Another my great. roommate. Here, really? Down I, here, yeah. We should all three do a. Po- oh my god, that might. Oh, that'd be that'd that be might, bad. Then might, we'd need shots. Yeah, that might break the. So we were supposed to have a shot. Break the I, internet. I forgot the vodka. Ah, so that's my fault. I'll have so to buy you one if I see you around. We'll we'll do uh, maybe we'll do a. We should do a podcast in the triangle while we're drinking. <laughs> Can you imagine if we had these mics set up and people were oh, walking no. in like on a Friday? People yell at us as they walk by. It'd be very probably. Well, I mean, or me, all the legislators and staff would turn around and walk out. Me being there mics. in general, people get like weird. I don't know yeah. why they think I'm doing a gotcha which one of my favorite times at the triangle was when i went there and the whole press corps was there all the adn people the news minor people it was early on in session the juno empire i'm like this is great these are my people this is where i want to be yeah that's one thing s- i don't understand about this. some legislators or public officials or government people who who like they, they have apprehension or they have animosity towards the the press i mean it's like anything else if you're friendly with somebody if you're yeah good relationship you know they're probably going to treat you a little better than if you're you know telling them to piss off and talk bad about them mm-hmm. oh it's definitely going to make a difference yeah I agree. What'd you say? You were raised to be nice to people? Or? Yeah, don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. You return, what was it? Uh, when you borrow a tool, return it in better shape than you my dad uh, used, borrowed it. My dad used to, 100%. He yep. always said, you always return something better than you found it. You didn't get my Fairbanks mail, but I used that on my first big mail piece that I sent out introducing myself. 
That's a great. I mean, my dad used to. He he told me that, and he used to always say, "Companies like fish. After three days, it stinks." <laughs> <laughs> True. He had a lot of gems. So. There you go. Uh, oh, uh, Representative Hopkins, Grier, this has been great. I, uh, we're going to do it again. That works. Thanks, Jeff. Especially uh, fourth floor, and it's sun's going down. It's it's... The f- I didn't have any requests for when I was getting a new office assigned to me, except I wanted to be on the fourth floor because it's the action get, floor. Getting and it's getting a little chilly in here. Yeah, I, 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 it makes I like me feel it. like home. Well, so maybe I'll see you out there uh, the on the street in Juno. I appreciate you doing yeah. this, and we're going to do it again. I'm, Absolutely, I'm into I'm that. Sure. All right. Do it at the end of session. See how my opinions change, and I'm jaded by the end of this. We can listen to part of it, and then we can go there back. There you go. <laughs> All right, folks, thanks for listening. If you have any ideas for podcasts or want to do a podcast with me, uh, let me know. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Landline.